Welcome to Math of Felix on Air, part two of my interview with upcoming PBS travel series producer and host Ernest White II. During the first half of our talk last week, we discussed Ernest's recent experience at the Cannes Film Festival, his love of travel and how it led to Fly Brother, and the challenges and advantages of independently producing a TV show. In this second half of our interview, we discuss what's involved in getting a show onto and collaborating with PBS, the first season of Fly Brother, including listening to a sneak peek from the first episode, and what's involved in producing each show. Ernest also shared the time he ate fire for an episode, and we discussed the effect of over-tourism on some travel destinations. So don't go anywhere. Matthew Felix on Air starts now. Well, PBS agreed. <laughs> How's that for a segue? <laughs> PBS agreed. They did. So when your dream network had to kind of move on to other dreams, so to speak. 100%. And you had your, you had your show, but you no longer had a home for the show. So how do you get a show onto PBS? Um, it's, again, just kind of working at, at you know what? I retract that. Retract that. Yes. I retract the um. No um. No um. Essentially, you reach out to them. How do you reach out? Do you go to their website or do you have to know somebody? Like, I, Well, it always I'm helps curious. to know somebody, yeah, but you can yeah. know somebody by going to the website uh -huh. and reaching uh -huh. yeah. out, finding people. Yeah. And I'm not the – I'm just starting this journey with PBS, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend like I've, I understand Inside the and ins out. and outs of how yep. public television works. Yep. I do know that PBS itself is the – the distribution it's not even the distribution channel it's the network where you watch the television mm -hmm. okay um there are other distributors pbs itself american public television nita which uh, does like educational programming and they kind of are working behind the scenes to make sure that content that is created by the storytellers the producers gets aired on pbs and mm -hmm. its cable channel create tv and so what you've also got are, unlike, let's say, a cable network that's generally just one stream, you've got the local PBS affiliates in each market. Yep. And they, get, they vote on the programming that they oh, want really? to show. Yes. Mm. There's some shows that they produce themselves and are only aired on their particular uh you know, Local bandwidth. Yeah, there are other shows that some they just don't pick up for whatever reason, you know. And so being on PBS, quote unquote, you may be on a PBS affiliate on one and not be on the other. It, like you said, it's example. not like being on Amazon. Correct. You're on Amazon. You're on Amazon. Yes. On PBS, it's a lot more nuanced. It exactly. Like. Yeah. You can't. Downton Abbey's on PBS. Yeah. Like yeah. big PBS. You right. know. Um, and it doesn't mean Fly Brother won't be. Right. It's just saying that um, if you're in one particular town, you may not get Fly Brother. At the same time, it's debuted in other places yeah, for yeah. number one. Or yeah. you may have to watch it on Create TV. Yeah. Okay. Which is the cable network. That, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Did you try to pitch, Denny? I'm just curious if you tried to go the Netflix or Amazon routes, if that's... Uh, that was considered. You know, obviously, everyone is trying to get on Amazon and Netflix. So, so they're much yeah. more picky these days mm -hmm. than they used to be. Yeah. Um, the other thing is... Um, you can still get on Netflix and Amazon as a PBS show. 
Mm-hmm. So now you've got the cachet uh-huh. of being a PBS series. Yep. So, yep. you know, it's it's there's a lot involved. But I'll say this. My advisor, Michaela Malozzi, she's got a show on PBS that's won four Daytime Emmy Awards. Oh, wow. You know, Bare Feet with Michaela Malozzi, where she dances around the world. And, <laughs> right. I mean, it's wonderful because yeah. she's connecting with people through dance. She's connecting the, the – I mean, that's just exactly what connect. she does. She connects. And um, she has – been, she's had a journey with PBS where she's learned a lot. She's learned a lot of things the hard way, kind of just to, to get to where she is right now. And so she's helped me kind of learn the ropes a bit more quickly than I would have if I was doing it on my own. And so I really appreciate that as well. Are there any other challenges? Because we kind of talked about the good thing is you you being the producer, you having total creative control, yes. you taking it to them. This is it. Are there any which you, also means by the way that you end, you do pay the distribution fee for PBS. Uh-huh. That's a difference. Okay. Whereas so, other yeah. networks will buy your content, which yep. means that they get to, they'll either license it out, mm-hmm. which gives you a little bit of freedom yep. because you still retain ownership, or they'll buy it outright. Mm-hmm. With PBS, you end up paying, but mm. then you retain ownership. So you get the prestige of PBS, you get the you know the vast kind of reach of PBS. But you got to raise a lot of money to distribute it. You do have to raise some money, but you're yep. having to raise money anyway mm-hmm. to to actually produce it. Yeah. And you're having to raise money to market it. And so you can also look at Rick Steves, he built a whole back-end business on yep. it. Yeah. 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 So there, there's a lot of benefits. He did. He started on PBS. And so yeah. there's a, oh, it, I, I think he I started think. out on PBS. Yeah. He's yeah. been out for 25 years. He at least and I became well-known on Correct. PBS. Correct. 25 years yeah. ago, I, I would not have known what his first channel was. It yeah. Was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So again, I think there's a whole other show there, just that whole process and Certainly. the nuances, the challenges, the advantages. But let's move on. Uh, I, let, let's get specific and let's talk about season one which is coming out January 2020, so January of next year, six months-ish. Uh, can you tell us about the first season? Are you ready? I'm, it's, it's <laughs> just, I'm starting to get excited about yeah, it. Yeah, it's getting and close enough. It now. is getting close enough, and it's just been a long road, man. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get other people excited. All right. So tell us a little bit about the first season. Sure. Uh, so the first season touches 10 destinations. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have them in my notes. Uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, yeah. Bogota, Colombia, Toronto, Canada, Cape Town, South Africa, Ovamboland, Namibia, which is northern Namibia, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, Casablanca, Morocco, Stockholm, Sweden, Tbilisi, Georgia, and Mumbai, India. Okay. Now, huge variety. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, PBS, a 30 minute time slot um, requires a show that is about 26 minutes long. For PBS mm-hmm. versus 22 minutes that you get, 22 and a half minutes for a commercial show. So you get a little more. So we, you do get more meat. And so because of that, we had to reimagine the first season. Mm-hmm. And so we had mm-hmm. to, because we were doing, some of the episodes we did on a shoestring. You know, uh-huh. we were right. we were doing good to get 22 and a half really good minutes sure. of like... Something that was not me swatting flies away. See, okay, but, 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 but wait, let's talk so about six that. First epi- but, the uh, first season has six episodes because of that. But that's interesting because to me, I would have thought you would have had the opposite problem, which too is much having footage? too much. Because uh, if you're going to some place like Sao Paulo, which I'm going to show a clip from that episode certainly, shortly, certainly. there's so much. I think you said it's the largest city in South America. Yes. So there's so much. And you're saying, so why was that a challenge to get enough good footage? Money. 
Oh, money. Oh, yes. that part I get. Oh, that's different. Okay, so you're not <laughs> saying subject matter. You're saying no, just, not just, subject uh, matter to pay the bills to get those 24 to, minutes. Right. To yeah, stay in a place Sorry, more than two nights. Right. You know, to right, stay right, in a place. And that that was, kind of, okay. That's just no, startup woes. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like sometimes we just didn't have the resources to be there long to enough pay to produce to the get content. a solid, compelling, you know, 22 and a half minutes. Well, because I also assume not having done that kind of film that you end up filming at least twice or three times or five times as much as you actually use in the end. What's the sort of, well, that's a, that's a good goal to shoot for. But again, it all requires a certain number of a certain amount of resources. You got to have the resources to do it. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, let's look at a, an excerpt from the first episode. This let's is a two-minute excerpt. Thank you very much for sharing this with me. <laughs> this is from your first episode, which again is Sao Paulo. And I'm just going to show it for everyone, and then we'll talk briefly about it afterwards. So Dale. here is a two-minute clip from Sao Paulo, season one, Fly Brother. Fly Brother. Like you and him. Flavia leaves Pacheco and I pack into her car, cackling and conversing through the city as we work our way towards a meal at Luncheonette Coom Laundrette Coom Art Gallery Laundry Deluxe in the Jardines District. Jardines means God's God. Jardines is an upscale area of town near the center of Sao Paulo with all kinds of eclectic shops and eateries. At Laundry Deluxe, we scheduled lunch with the owner, Fabio Guia, who spent time in London and New York before opening the edgy, artsy, eatsy laundry with his two business partners here in his hometown of Sao Paulo. The food is ready, let's go. All right, let's go. With all his worldly knowledge, Fabio gave us a little insight into that famed Brazilian affability that makes this country so special for visitors. Brazilian people are so funny, happy, honest, beautiful. Look at us. A palette of colors, genders, backgrounds, interests, experiences, tastes, and opinions sitting around a table talking about the beauty of all those differences. Connection. A big miscellaneous of the all of the people on the road, black, white, yellow, green, Martyr, Venus, all the time, and a big liquid effector. And I do it, I shake, it's a Brazilian people with a big smile. Listen, Brazilian people like to kiss, like to hug, just for friendly. Not uh, interesting, like a sexual interest or love it thing. No, just for friendly. I see my friend, I big hug, I love you. Fly Brother. All right, that's a clip from first episode of season one of Fly Brother. Thank you very much again for sharing that. Thank you. So, why did you choose Sao Paulo for your first episode? Uh, Because I love that. Of all the different places, I love Sao Paulo. Is still my favorite city in the world. Why is that? It's exhilarating. It's exciting. I had phenomenal memories made when I was in that place. It has always called me. I'd like to talk about Sao Paulo. Is that you know ex spouse? Uh that when you see it, you remember exactly why you got together in the first place Uh and exactly why you ended up divorcing. Uh Uh But you're still friends. You still respect each other. You can still see the sex appeal, but you're also like you're crazy as hell. No, I I, I love that (laughs) analogy because I feel a lot. I feel that way a lot about Istanbul, mm. right? I lived there for a year. Okay. There's so much that I love about it. Yes. I had so much. It was at a time, you know, right after college, before I got into the work world or whatever. Mm. So I was in that transitional space. Yes. 
I learned so much. I grew so much. You know, it's such a special, personally transformative yes. place for me. But now I go back and after a month, I'm like, okay, get me the hell out of here. Because then I remember all the reasons I didn't stay. Exactly. And I could have stayed. I, I chose after years. Like, you know, I think it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. But and, and I always say to your point and to this point that our relationships with places are like our relationships with people. A hundred percent. Right. And just because I don't have a good relationship with the place doesn't mean that you won't. Well, that's the other thing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And again, our relationships change over time. Absolutely. Is the other thing. Okay. Hello, Kimberly. Bonjour, Kimberly, de, de, de la, de, du sud de la France. Merci pour uh, nous rejoindre Bonjour. ici. Kimberly's in France, and she just tuned in. So thank you, Kimberly. Hello, Naomi and Martha and Matthew. I think I already said hi to Matthew. Uh, okay. So let's talk about – well, first of all, we're talking about PBS. Do you normally – it seems like when I'm watching PBS, there normally is like a – there's normally an affiliate station who sponsors. Yes. Did you have to align with a particular station? Or yes, yes. How did that I, work? I'm with WTTW of Chicago, okay, which is one of the top out. three. It's a phenomenal group of people. I'm happy to have found a home there. Uh, they just are the this, that's the station that is supporting the show. That's kind of they are coming on board as producers and are making sure that the show gets out to all of the affiliates and, yep. and they can decide to vote yay or nay and then help promote the message of connectivity that mm-hmm. we're all, that the whole world is our tribe. I mean, that's the, the purpose of fly brother and WTTW gets it. All right. So thanks. I still love this whole <laughs> idea. Thank you. But I still, I I'm pausing on this whole idea that the stations vote. That's really interesting. I guess it's very democratic and it is public TV. Hey, this so I guess is that's America. part of it, but God bless America. Okay. <laughs> So I'm curious, and we're going to go way over today because it's already we've already been talking for an hour. But I have some more questions that while I have you here, I'm just gonna unless you've got some place to be. Okay, good. Uh, you needed to have a better answer faster. Let's let's talk about kind of the nitty gritties of how you produce an episode. Sure. Some of, some of the nitty gritties without getting too technical, of course. But so how do you choose destinations? I guess we already talked about this. These are places you already have usually a, a past association. Well, I don't. Any other? Yes, and I don't think we talked exactly about what I do in the episode. Is Mike okay with uh, the mic is fine? All right, Thank good. You. The yeah. mic sounds nice. Yeah. Okay. Check so, one. so yeah, tell so us a little bit more about in the in every episode. Yeah. I go into a city where I've got friends, and they bring me into their community they show me the fi- the things that they enjoy about the city okay what makes it special to them mm-hmm. and as you can see they, they i connect that way so it doesn't matter that there's great food and hotels i mean that is nice sure. it does matter sure hotels yeah. yeah but the idea is still the community that you build when you travel mm-hmm. and so i choose destinations by looking at where i've got friends mm-hmm. where i've got compelling friends that make for good tv yeah. where i've got a compelling location that makes for good tv and where you know it's semi-scripted meaning i've got kind of like certain places that i know i want to go to when Mm -hmm. i when i came up with the sao paulo episode i knew i wanted to go to vai vai samba school Mm because it's one of my favorite things to do in sao paulo and it's such a cultural institution 100 percent. right i knew i wanted to go to the beco de bachiman you know i also knew that flavia lee's could talk about that's my friend in sao paulo she's the 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 the, the amazing travel uh, tour guide in sao paulo i knew she could talk about architecture in a compelling way mm-hmm. you know and that's the thing so i'm i'm also a trying couple to times give you got a little bored though a couple times in that clip you kind of dozed off and she gave you a hard time and you're like i'm sorry i'm paying attention i'm paying attention and that yeah. <laughs> i mean that's basically that doesn't funny, don't though. we all do that right. like that you know, even that me was, that was cute i, I could tell you guys are friends exactly to your point. because right. she could say hey right you know 
Exactly. I'm talking here. I'm talking here. <laughs> Pay attention, I'm which is what clock. she says. <laughs> we may be friends, but I'm on the clock. It, exactly. And yeah. that's what I love about her. That's what I love about Pacheco. That's what I love about my other friends that are in the other episodes. Like, they really... We just have great chemistry. And mm-hmm. part of having great chemistry means you know where you can push buttons mm-hmm. respectfully or out of love, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I think that translates in the episodes. Yep. Um, and so trying to find a way to kind of... To, to, to capture some of that, but also let a lot of it be uh, organic. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Stockholm to do that episode, my buddy Martin was like, you're going to eat fire. That wasn't planned. <laughs> he planned it. Yeah. And yeah. I ended up eating fire. Yeah. You know, it took 50 takes. Did it really? Oh, 100%. To, really? It, I, it probably took Did more. Did you burn yourself? No. Uh-huh. But I was trying not to burn myself, which meant have. I kept missing my mouth because uh-huh. I was like, this is my money <laughs> well, maker. Well, you, know you need to do. You know what you need to do rather than – because so you can see Ernest eating fire at the end of the uh, – if you go to flybrother.net at the end of the trailer for Flybrother, yes. which I didn't play right now because it's a lot of visuals and not a lot of um, voiceovers, and I needed the voiceovers for the podcast. But at the end of that, you can see him eating fire. What you should do is produce another trailer that's the outtakes. Bloopers. Yes, yeah, the bloopers from the uh, we trying have to that. Eat fire. We oh, you got do? that. We've oh, got yeah? the well, we we've got the footage. I don't yeah. know if we're going to produce that. I think but you there's should. that. There's the time I almost got into a fight on a bridge in Sao Paulo. Oh. I mean, we've got some interesting, interesting outtakes, outtakes. But yeah. you're only going to see things that are mother approved. Okay, mother approved. All the mothers in the world have to be like, you know what? That's that's, that's okay. a nice young man. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's a great litmus test. <laughs> um, so then with regards to what you choose within a show, it sounds as if you're already so familiar with these places that you probably already have an idea. And then maybe you probably take a little bit of feedback from your friends. About I take a lot, of feedback. Not, a lot of feedback. I take a lot yeah. of feedback from my friends. And, and even if it's the destination, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's the idea is not to do an expose. Right now, you know, if we need to show some important things that may not be quote unquote approved by the destination, then we we are, well, are tasteful and mm-hmm. we make sure that it's done respectfully. Mm-hmm. But my point is even the destination itself can suggest things and we find a way to integrate them authentically in the story. Right. You know, right. it's, when people think about like authentic experience, I want an authentic experience. Well, you're not from the place, so you're already not going to get an authentic experience. I want to live like a local. Exactly. It's impossible. You know, but I hate that. Yeah. The idea. I get it. I get it. The, the, the spirit. But you, you're not going to live like a local for exactly. a week. Exactly. And so yeah. the whole point is to try to do as much of that as possible, but also recognizing that sometimes the locals do go to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> You think? Well, if they got, <laughs> if they got friends visiting. From if they have friends out. visiting. Exactly. <laughs> I only go to the Golden Gate Bridge to cross it. I oh, right. To use Gate it for the, it's a utilitarian a device. To now get, I just send people. <laughs> to get from one place to the I mean, other. after you've lived here for 25 years, you just kind of tell people, okay, well, let's meet in two hours. Exactly. After you've gone I'm not to the going bridge. up Coit Tower again. I'm not going to Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, okay. What about the logistics insofar so, as... You named a few people, but I'm not clear. When you go to each destination, how many people are actually with you on the shoot? There's one uh, for season one. There was one person, just one other person. Correct for season one. Now doing sound and audio, or did everything. He did everything. I mean, not sound and audio, but I mean sound and visual. Yeah. So it's all just in the same. Well, I mean, we had like lavalier mics and that kind of thing, or (laughs) we had like the that hairy cat. On the camera <laughs> uh-huh. as well. Right. That's what I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> I got fur ball. Yeah, I think I got a fur ball right yeah. now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a, it's the same guy. 
That's amazing. But the technology he, is amazing. It's true, but he also forced me to say things multiple times, too, in order to get... I ain't talking those 50 takes for fire eating. I mean, sometimes right. just a sentence I had to repeat in order to get several angles. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and then what about... So pre-production, you just basically... How does that... How do you... You just uh, so, basically make a list okay, of the destinations. From, from scratch, yeah. you have to be flexible with that too. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you're trying to work with many moving parts. It's like I identify which friends I'd like to be in this the episode. Then I reach have to reach out to them to see if they'll even want to be in How the often episode. Do people say no. Rarely do yeah. they say no because they don't want to. Mm -hmm. It may be the timing isn't right. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like, it has to be at a time when I can get there, when my cameraman can get there, when they can get there, mm -hmm. when we can get the destination sometime to support us. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when I mean, there's many different kind of things that have to line up in order for the episode to come off well. Yep. There's been times when one destination we weren't able to do it for season one and we can do it in season two and <laughs> another destination has kind of stepped into place just because the inner workings of their organization were really fast, mm -hmm, you know, and mm -hmm. some others, it took a year to organize certain things. Namibia, mm. it took a year to get things organized, mostly because of their physical calendar and trying to make sure that the money was there and all that kind of stuff. But when we got there, it was incredibly organized, a tightly run ship, yep. and it was phenomenal. So, you know, it, it, whereas other times it may be just a matter of picking up the phone and like calling the tourism bureau and they've can got things up? so set up that they can just have it ready for you the next week. Right. Right. But see, and that, that's why these kind of questions are interesting to me. It's, I never haven't done anything like this. It would never occur to me that I'm going to need to wait a year to go to Namibia because there's bureaucracy I've got to deal with because there's, all well, this behind the scenes sort of administrative stuff. It's right. not just getting on, even though I can do it with one camera and one mic, there's still a whole bunch of other administrative stuff that has to come Certainly. into place. Certainly, if you want to yeah. do it, A, legally, yeah. and B, with support. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, there's that guerrilla style of swooping in, filming, right. and, and getting out. And, you know, certain places, they don't care. Yeah. I mean, even here in the States, most places, just like, whatever. As long right. as you're not, you know, technically you're supposed to be getting releases for people that show up on camera. Right. But in general, you know, there are... Some places, it's not a big deal. Other places, it's a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, again, try to be as respectful as we can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, when you reach out to the offices, sometimes you have to work, di you work directly with the Tourism Bureau for everything. Other times, you because it may just be centralized. Yep. Other times, you have to navigate both the Tourism Bureau and the film board. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So what about afterwards? Afterwards, then, it's just a matter of... Looking at the footage that we've got, mm -hmm. looking at the storyline that I came up with, and then finishing the voiceover script. Yep. You know, doing yep. the research, working with the tourism board, working with my friends, working with people who can give me insight on whatever topic, you know, making sure that my facts are correct. Right, because you've got to do a lot of research. A hundred percent. Yeah. And especially just because my name's on it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. I... I don't like looking at programs where a lot of money was spent, someone that's a respected scholar, mm -hmm. and they're mispronouncing basic things in right. Spanish. Or, right. you know what I mean? Like, yep. and, and not even that they have to know the language, <laughs> but just approximate, ask somebody, how, how do I say this? No, if you're you going to reference it, 100%. do the research. I, I'm always surprised, not always surprised, I'm often surprised 
when when this show ends, people will say, "Wow, you really do your research," mm. and and I do, and I and I appreciate that they recognize that. But to me, it's really more about where you're coming from, which is my name is on this, and. I want to do the work and I want to know more or less what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm just, spending, I'm just spending three days on each episode, so I'm not going to be an expert in any of this exactly. kind of stuff. But it's really important to me to do some of that research and kind of have an idea. And yeah, and the pronunciations, which I still butcher. But, of course. But we, it's different in conversation language, sometimes. But, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. try. That's the right, whole point. Right. Try At least put in the effort. And, right. that's, and that's what I'm saying. And yep. again, I'm going to have to say this other caveat. When I was yeah. talking about the PBS you know, process, yeah. I'm by no means an expert. I admit that. There's so many things right. that I'm still learning. Right. But, and, and I wish more people would admit that they aren't necessarily an expert mm-hmm. in some things. Be an expert at being a human being. But you know what? The other thing that I've learned relative to all this kind of stuff is a lot of times I will say whatever the context is related to the creative stuff. It might be my podcast. It might be online marketing stuff. It might be different aspects of creativity mm-hmm. and getting getting our stuff out into the world. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm not an expert. And my friends will say, but you are. Now, the point is, which I may or may not agree with them, even when they're saying that. That's not the point. The point is. With so many of these things, how do we certify whether or whether we are not an expert? The point is, do we have enough of a certain experience in a certain area to more or less know what we're talking about? There's always going to be someone who knows more. There's always going to be someone who's more experienced. And so that idea of being or not being an expert, I think... For me, I have to remind myself sometimes that's not even the right question or the way to the right way to even think about it. Of course, of course. I mean, just have humility. You know what I mean. Recognize and and perspective, but also and own your experience and say, you know what, I have traveled to fifty countries. Absolutely. So I do know a little bit about that. Exactly. Somebody else has traveled to a hundred, but and there's other travel experts. You're not the only one. There are others. A hundred percent. Right. We're on the same page there. We are on the same page. Okay, so (laughs) I just want to throw out really quickly here, uh, because we are drawing to the end, but I want to throw out to anyone who has questions about travel, about getting a show on TV, about Fly Brother, about whatever. Don't uh, ask. Don't ask. He's changed his mind because we've gone. No, you can ask. He's changed his mind, uh, but get those questions ready if you have Mm -hmm. any. But my next question for you is uh, two questions. Sure. This is more, less all the practical stuff we just got done talking about. What part of the show is... Making the show is the least fun. What part of the show is the most fun? Okay, so one of the many things that are that's really fun about making the show is doing the voiceover. And uh, that's because uh-huh. I'm doing uh-huh. it. I, I record it in Bonfire Studios in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, really? With my girl TK, my buddy Conscious, and they are hilarious. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They draw silliness out of me. Uh-huh. And that's you know I'm a, I am a, my name is Ernest. I'm a very serious person. Right. And I write <laughs> things seriously, but I do have a, a sense of humor that can be drawn out. And I right. love working with them because I'll say something at their prodding and right. it will be funny and it's just like we'll just spend a few minutes laughing and right. so what right. should have been a 30 minute recording session ends up being an hour. Do you uh, think they're doing that just to charge you more? Do you think nope. that they have ulterior motives I, no, there? No, okay. I don't. I, I don't know them. No. I'm just throwing out that you might want to be careful. If they're getting you to laugh if to double your get, time there. Nope, they're getting me okay. to give a better show. All right, fair enough. And In that case, it's money well spent. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I would say one of the most challenging things yeah. is to have to be watched. Mm-hmm. in public while mm-hmm. I'm filming oh, and, and then, while you're actually doing it while I'm actually yeah, doing it yeah. and then having to do it I don't like having to redo things over mm-hmm. and over and over mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. Um, I've got into the habit of it now yeah. to the point where I'm actually 
saying, you know, is that good? We can do another one. So maybe maybe I don't dislike it as much as I used to. Right. You've you've come to terms with it and have just there's a little more acceptance. Correct. Less resistance. Correct. Because it, it well, you know, anything you resist is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what it is because I'm resisting it less. I can get through it a bit more. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's not something I would have identified as one of the. So again, that's why we ask the questions. And one of the one of the good things about doing this show live is I don't allow, I don't have the luxury of redoing. And I know, yeah. and that's one of the things. That's Sometimes, okay. Well, no, 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 it's good. Yeah. Because otherwise, the perfectionist in me, yes. I would be doing so many takes, and it already takes so much time and effort. And so sometimes, you know, friends will say, well, do you really need to do it live? And I like doing it live because, you know, we've got some people here, and we can get some questions, and we have one question that's come in. Um, but one, one reason, other than the fact I like doing it live for other reasons, is I can't redo it, and I know yeah. that that's good. Just yes. knowing how I work and wanted to it get it exactly the right yoke of expectation exactly. and perspe- perfection. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Okay. Uh, is there a season two? There is a season two okay. that we are currently filming. Okay. So and stay tuned. Can you tell us uh, where yet, or is that too? Are we too soon? You don't want to divulge anything too like soon. that. Okay. Too soon. Have you identified all the places, or are you still trying to figure that We're, out? We have not solidified all, all the places but yeah. we have a few kind of working through the the machine there and we're ready to to go ahead and get out there so if you're doing a season two already does that mean pbs has said we want a season two or are you just i'm keep... not at liberty to speak to that okay not allowed to speak to that that's probably a good thing though that's i don't what know. i'm guessing but i don't know okay here's the question it I may have. bomb and they may not want well, that's what I was kind of assuming, brother. that part of it is probably dependent on how the first season goes. Of course. Right. right. Okay. Um, but that doesn't gonna, mean that I can't film a season two and it can't exactly. be on some Someplace other. Else. Exactly. exactly. Right. But that's not going to be a problem because it's going to be successful on PBS. I, your mouth to God's ears, my brother. God's listening. God's listening. <laughs> I don't, we don't have to point up anymore, right? We've realized God is everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about something in closing before we get to the questions, because um, this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately, and it's something that you've already spoken about publicly. And like I said, I you so this is over tourism. You were in a, a documentary, like I said at the beginning, called uh, Gringo Trail. Yes, and it's the subject Peggy matter Vale over tourism. Peggy Vale, she's the director. Okay, sorry, Peggy Vale. So don't be sorry. Name drop. No, no, no. Give her credit. No, Peggy Vale, Melvin Estrella, two amazing filmmakers in New York. They okay. were at Cannes. Oh, they Supporters were. of the Pavillon Afrique. Yes. Ah, formidable. Okay. Venice is completely overrun. Hmm. Barcelona, certain sections, certain neighborhoods getting completely, the locals can't live there anymore. You walk around certain sections of Barthel- Bar- Bar- Barcelona and <laughs> and you you see the, the they've got um, banners hanging on, on the, uh, God, I can't think, on the balconies mm-hmm. saying tourists go home, tourists, you're, spe- you're causing us a lot of problems, this, that, and the other. Recently here when we had the super blooms, in different places in California even, so closer to home and kind of a different variation on this, where we have these fields of wildflowers, little towns were getting shut down by the traffic, right? Mm. So this over-tourism, tourism, tourism, we talk so much about how good it is in so many ways, and of course it is, and I believe that in so many ways, and I've traveled all my life too, big part of my life, and yet I'm becoming really, and not just I'm becoming, but we are becoming more and more aware. There are certain places, certain things that are really just getting out of hand. Certainly. Does that come into play when you're figuring out where to go at all? So 
one, I'm typically going to places that are not necessarily the main tourist They're already attraction. Off, more off the right. beaten track. Some of them. Yeah. Cape Town is, you know, the picture postcard of South Africa, and yeah. it's it's beautiful. But I will say they also have the infrastructure to receive lots of tourists. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. Right. Um, Sao Paulo, on the other hand, you know, it gets lots of business travelers. But now it's kind of it, 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 it. Every few years has a renaissance in the in the travel space. But people always still go to Rio and and Salvador and Iguazu yep. Falls and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> going there, going to Casablanca, you know, um, even Stockholm, mm-hmm. you know, it's a beautiful place. It's still gets a, a fraction of the tourists that you know Berlin and and, and Paris and Madrid and Dublin and sure. London get Rome yeah. um and so Prague even and so oh, especially yeah. um yeah. the so on one hand I'm I don't feel like I'm necessarily stoking tourism in that regard mm-hmm. what I want it, it's not fair for me to tell people they can't go right you know right and it's not fair for me to tell people they can't go during their two weeks of vacation time. Which coincides with everybody else's exactly. two weeks, perhaps. So that's, you know, it's great for us to be indignant about these things, but I'm from a touristy place. I'm from Florida, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it's annoying when people are driving slow in the left-hand lane of the freeway looking for Waffle House. But or at the up same Highway time, 1 in Northern California, which is two lanes not using the turnouts. Oh, my God, that drives me insane. But, you know, people <laughs> are crap drivers everywhere. No, right? but the turnouts. <laughs> I don't even know what a turnout okay, is. Okay, so a turnout is when, okay, have you been on Highway 1 at all? Because you just moved here. Yeah. So Highway 1 is like, it snakes okay. up the coast, okay? And so it's two lanes, and it's all curves. Okay. Well, if you're a tourist and you're not from here, you might be scared of the curves, and you might want to enjoy the amazing View. views. Yeah, yeah. I totally get I totally respect that. Just don't but, throw your flashes on in the middle of the No, lane. but the point is there are special lanes since there's there are very few opportunities to pull over. There are special lanes to do that so that locals can get by. Okay. And so when people who are doing that, they're going 20 miles an hour and mm. I'm, sometimes that is literally what they're doing and they don't take the the, the turnouts it sends me over the edge. I understand. Over the edge. I understand. I have, you have road some place rage. To be. Well, or I don't have some place to be, but I just drive faster on those them. roads because exactly. I'm over there all the time. You know, I'm, I want to go 35 instead of 20. It's not like I'm not even necessarily in a hurry, but I don't necessarily want to go 20 miles an hour on my road. Right. Anyway, did not sp- intend to spend 10 minutes on that subject, but clearly. I've been in Marin all week dealing with this, so it's a very recent, recent phenomenon. Okay, Matthew, but we got to get you some help. My I need help, <laughs> please. I need but help. Just yeah. to kind of to address that, I feel yeah. like education and awareness. Yep. You know, the idea is to get people to think about, like, you know, what if you have an opportunity to go in the off season, mm-hmm. you know, then do that because yeah. I am sure Venice and Barcelona don't want to do without the income. That comes in from being tourist hotspots. They say they don't. They say they could do without it. But that's actually a bigger conversation, too, because Venice is much different because it's cruise ship largely. I mean, there are lots of people who aren't cruise ships, which doesn't bring a lot of money versus Barcelona. where yeah, okay. people are and, staying, and, I, and obviously, you know, what? And I am not an expert right, on right. these particular topics. But point but being, they do want tourist dollars. Certainly. I mean, you, yep. you would think they would. Yeah. 
they may they may actually see how they can be sustainable without it, and that's, that's the, something that's something for that jurisdiction. But no, 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 general, no, no, no. I don't. Sorry if I can interrupt. No. I think the question isn't to be sustainable without it. The question is how do you find some sort of happy medium? Education, where you're bringing in the tourist money because you want the tourist money, but you're not decimating entire neighborhoods. So obviously, it's yeah. it, you, first you have to look at how the tourists are even going there. Right. You know, if it's cruise ships, then Venice needs to be having a conversation with the cruise lines. Right. If there's, a, you know, if there, if it's you know, airlines that are given cheap fares to Prague or to Berlin or whatever, you know, then it's talking with those airlines. But at the same time, then you're starting to police the free market. That's that's the tricky part. And so for me, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this. Sure. So we're going to go to questions because we're at an hour and a half. Uh, but so the reason I bring this up, too, is because it's personal. And for me, it's not about necessarily being indignant, but it's, it's about caring. So I have a 25 yes. year relationship with Barcelona. Right. So, uh, you know, and so I. I've, no, but seriously, like we I, talked about. I mean, about, is it because you're old? That's part of it. That's definitely part of it. <laughs> I got. I no, I, I went there in high school, right? I've been going. So. Right. Okay, but point, point being, I was just looking, you know, about going there for a month. Yeah. Well, every single place that I found on Airbnb was obviously a vacation rental. It was not like when I just went to Paris. I stayed in someone's apartment. They lived there. She went to her boyfriend's. So I knew that I wasn't, you know, now. All of these. And so I'm. But you have that awareness. You could tell based on your experiences that one was a lived in place versus right. one that was rented out. And right. the other thing is, who's to say in five years that place that she was staying in won't be. And so and so I'm not saying I've place. come up with the solution. Yeah. I'm just sort of highlighting kind of the struggle. I want to be sort of aware. But point being, I didn't go to Barcelona because I didn't see a way this time in this season because it's high season and it's a very last minute thing to do that and I just couldn't be one of those people and again just like you said a second ago I don't want to discourage anyone to go Barcelona it's a lovely place I mean that's why I've gone back so many times over and over and over again but I just knowing what's going on in these neighborhoods and seeing the signs on the on the balconies and things and going in peak season and having to stay in one of these places that I know is at the expense of someone who used to live in that neighborhood I couldn't do it. I could have probably gotten a hotel. I mean, there, there are alternatives. There are other ways I could have gone. But since I like to go someplace and hang out for a month, I didn't really want a hotel experience. Anyway, much bigger conversation. But Well, and I think also, I mean, when you look at it, the same as going into parts of Brooklyn or Harlem. Oh, very much. Or and you, you know, going yes. to restaurants and places where you're paying a lot of money, much more than what the person that had been living close by would ever afford to be able to pay, yes. you know, for a meal. Like, yep. We're always doing things that if we actually looked at the chain of affect, if that's a concept, we may, we may not choose that yep. action. You know, we may not choose to do that if we realize that this is somehow displacing somebody. Right. But we're doing it all the time yep. anyway. So I guess it's just to try to do the best you can. Be aware. Make choices like you did, which was to go someplace else. Your Barcelona is going to be all right. And you're going to be all right by not going to Barcelona in the summer when you planned it. Right. You can go on the off season, pump money into the economy, you know, pay less. Except I'm cheap, but yeah. Huh? I said, except I'm cheap. They, Barcelona well, doesn't get a lot of money from me, but some, some. But you're cheap and demanding? I'm cheap and demanding. <laughs> I'm the worst kind of visitor. Okay. Let's go to question because, like I said, we're at an hour and a half okay. here. Uh, Aaron says, Ernesto. Through PBS, which is an inside joke, Ernesto, PB, <laughs> based on my mispronunciation, not my mispronunciation, but my combining two names. Through PBS, do you have access to international distribution, subtitles, etc.? 
Um, I do believe that that is something that's available. Okay. So, and we do have digital distribution, which is accessible outside Anywhere. of the United States. Correct. Yeah. Very exciting. We are so out of time, completely, unbelievably out of time. But the reason for that is because it's been such a great conversation. So thank you very much for sharing your whole journey to date and um, or the parts that we were able to cover in 90 minutes at least. And we're all looking forward very much to Fly Brother in 2020. Thank you, man. Six months from now on PBS. If you're a local PBS affiliate, vote yes. Vote yes on Fly Brother. And uh, let me just throw out the links here, uh, flybrother.net, as I said earlier. But on also, if you want to know more specifically about Ernest, ernestwhite2.com is a site um, with a lot of his writing and other stuff that he's done in addition to Fly Brother. In so, the process of being updated. In the process of being updated. So, as so, we all are. As we all are. As we all are. Okay. Thank you very much, Ernest. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. All right. Very much. Thank you. And thank you, audience. Thank you, audience. Thank you, listeners and viewers. All right, that's all for today. Thanks again to Ernest, Fly Brother TV show, show producer and host. That, again, is Ernest White II. No show next week, but the following week, my guest will be author Rachel Howard, like I said at the beginning of today's show. Thanks to Wordspace Studios for hosting me. They, again, are at wordspacestudios.com. And as I also mentioned at the beginning of today's show, if you're local to San Francisco this Wednesday, June 5th, from 7 o'clock to 8.30, Erin Byrne, who we've mentioned a few times as she has chimed in and is the one who just gave us the question. Thanks again, Erin. She and and uh, Patricia Rareg, who is the visiting writer in residence here at Wordspace Studios, Erin and Patricia will be in conversation about Paris, about literary Paris, about their um, vignettes and postcards in from Paris book, and much more from 7 to 8.30, again, this Wednesday, June 5th. So if you're local, stop by. Thank you for watching and listening. If you like the show, please share on social media and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen or watch. It is imperative to getting the word out and for the ongoing success of the show, and I really, really appreciate it. For more about me, my website is matthewfelix.com and links uh, to, to basically everything. My social media, my uh, books, my other podcasts, and all the rest can be found there. If you have any comments, ideas for the show, or just want to say hello, you can contact me at felixonair at matthewfelix.com. Thanks again for watching and listening, and have a great week. <laughs>